bubble gum to start the show. No gum today. Like yesterday. But I did manage to steal a chocolate egg from Derek Brandeo. I got a Reese's peanut butter. What's that one? This one's a Ferraro. Ooh. Derek? Ferrero Rocher. Ferrero Rocher collection. Traffic I've got some high end. serious, serious chocolate. That's Very impressive. sophisticated. Very impressive. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, as I mentioned, uh, my pusher man for chocolate and sweets, Derek. Jennifer Rolnick. And somewhere in the hockey universe, Sammy McKee. Listen and see if he's here. Fellas? Yes. Show number 137. And none of them as hard as the ones... We are army crawling towards the end of this season. <laughs> You're dying, like, eh? Serious. Dying. I know it's tough. It's not Kiffer. that I'm, I'm dying. It's just this is two weeks longer than it really should have. I get it. Beyond our control. Yeah. I get all of that. I know. In the big picture, we're lucky that we're finishing the season, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. If any, would anyone object outside the Canucks if we said, let's just call it. 76 this year. The matchups are set. We're moving on. Sorry, Vancouver. So what are we going to get out of the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight as they entertain the Philadelphia Flyers? We're going to look like uh, a Buffalo game? We're going to look like they played uh, and beat Tampa or somewhere in between? The flow chart is pretty easy on this. Are they supposed to win? Yes. Then you fall the line down. Will they play well? That means no. That's my pessimism. <laughs> they play very well against good teams and meh against the ones they're supposed to beat. No Austin Matthews out of the lineup for uh, the second game. I like this. In the in the grand scheme of things, yeah. as we mentioned in our show yesterday, are we concerned that he if if they were starting game one tonight, he wouldn't be in the lineup or he'd be less than 90 or 80 percent yeah no that's not the concern no they they uh there's a bunch of clips today which i appreciate when reporters share out like morning skate videos and uh this morning on the ice was kasha muzzin sandine matthews matthews being out there i don't know i assume it's shalgren to staying out to take the extra shots a save percentage of negative 6,000 on Matthews. Matthews just ting, ting, just posting in all day. He looks like he can play hockey. Let's put it that way. They didn't practice yesterday, so it would be a stretch for Austin to not be on the ice yesterday, coming off uh, a bruise, we imagine, and to play tonight. Mm-hmm. So, And again, you mentioned he probably could. Just why? In fact, if you have an excuse to not play them in every game from now until the end of the season, I think I think you keep them out as many as you can. All right, let's go to a, a, a Kipper's Clipper uh, on Sheldon Keefe keeping Austin out of the lineup. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, we're not just resting Austin in this case. I mean, he's he's got he's got an injury that maybe he maybe he could play through. But that doesn't make sense for 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 it to happen or to do so. And, again, I think it just speaks to the fact that we're looking bigger picture here. You know, we've got team team accomplishments, individual accomplishments, all those kind of things in the regular season. We're mindful of them. They are important in their own way. But, you know, the, the ultimate goal for us to be ready to compete come playoff time is what it's all about. So doing the right thing. 
Yeah, there's no mincing words there. This is 58 goals, 60, 62. We don't care. We don't care. (laughs) We don't care. Sammy, does that take a little bit of an edge off for you watching? Um, I got to say, I do care about 60 goals as a Leaf fan. And I, I care about 60, yeah. does too. It matters, boys. It's, it's a, a nice big number. deal. We've talked about it a lot. It's we, a nice I number. I wrote up the list of guys that have done it. Not a ton of guys have done it. And not a, definitely a Maple Leaf hasn't done it. And I think it's a real cherry on top of an unbelievable season for Austin Matthews to get 60. And he's still going to get in some games here. He's still got an opportunity to do it. But I don't think 60 goals should just be, you know, shuttled off to the side in the in the in like when you're thinking ahead to the playoffs. It still matters for Matthews to get there, in my opinion. Well, and Kipper, if they don't win a Stanley Cup, uh, he needs something to sign hat on his hats when he's Dennis Marouk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the uh, worst consolation prize. It's something. You know, it's an accomplishment. So yeah, and Sam, I think part of that is they're not worried that if they get him in four times, he's not going to get two. You know, yeah. I think you throw him out there in just the third period of the final game. You think he might get two. So, I know nothing's a given, but he's a scorer. And the domino effect for the second consecutive night, Sheldon Keefe, Keefe will have a chance to give more responsibility, i.e., Nylander, i.e., Mikheyev, Angval, uh, a different look, yeah. right? A top six look and. Now they get another crack at uh, maintaining uh, what, what should be a lot of momentum for these guys. Well, and Kiefer really likes the line, the Nylander, Kerfoot. Uh, uh, sorry, we got Nylander on the try. So who's the other one? Engvall. Engvall. Yeah, Engvall, Kerfoot, Nylander. That that group, he, he, for whatever reason, I think, sees them as being a unit they can put together, likely on the road. You know, his comments yesterday, you know, I don't know how much we talked about this during the show yesterday. I had it written down to talk about. But... That that did stand out that Keith mentioned that it depends home and away on keeping Tavares and Nylander together when they're on the road. I could see him going with this group here. Let's hear from Sheldon, and then we'll come out and uh, we'll talk about that potential line. Okay. The Kerfoot, Engvall, and uh, Nylander line, like I said, that's one was a real impetus for me to switch things up the other day. And again, today, want to maintain that. And you know, some other pieces fall into place around it. But, uh, you know, this... With Austin being out, it, it that in itself changes things. So we can move some things around. The players, of course, expect things to change when you take someone like Austin out. Uh, so it's been a little smoother that way. Uh, like the way the guys responded, in particular that line I'm referring to uh, with Kerfoot and moving him back into the middle. So can I tell you what I took from there? Or do you have something right you go. away? I I hear when he says. The players responded well because they expect something to change when Austin's out, so things went a little bit smoother in that way. I wonder throughout the season how much pushback he gets when he changes things when things are going fine. Like, how often do you think he hears from the players? For him to mention that things went smoother because players expected change, is there usually disruption? Guys upset with the, the changes? and tell me the, uh, Tell me the names that you would think fall into that Matthews. category okay <laughs> yeah one yeah marner yeah two, probably Tavares three and then it cuts off for me i don't give a crap about the rest of them in their so opinion true that's so it true. just hey, imagine the three guys knock 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 yeah Ilya. what can we do for you a uh, coach uh, i'm not happy with my yeah. get out nylander uh coach uh <laughs> 
Listen, Matt, when you remember where you played Saturday night, <laughs> then we'll talk, right? Yeah. How many goals do I have? Where are, who'd we play? Where am I? So that, that's it in a nutshell. Th- those are your core guys. If they're not happy, then you've got some issues. It does as, explain. As any head coach, mm-hmm. you know your horses. You know the guys that you cannot lose. It does explain why that Matthews Martyr Bunting line stayed together all year. Like if they ever wanted to get creative and say, "Oh, remember Tavares didn't do much for I don't know 15 games," and I'm sitting here on the show going, "Give him Marner, give him Marner. He's great with Marner." And I'm sure Marner's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, no." You know, I'm playing with and Austin was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm keeping Mitch on my line." I'm sure there is some player leverage involved in the lineup throughout the course of the year. So the other thing going into the the last six games is the buildup that Sheldon alluded to. But it's still hard to really pinpoint who's going to be absolutely ready or not by then. Mm -hmm. The good news for the Toronto Maple Leafs is that it seems like everybody's on the ice. Yeah, that is good. Muzzin's skating. We know that... uh, Sandine is out there and could be available within the next week. Yeah. And Kasha, I'm told, has been skating four or five days in a row now. Okay. So it sounds like they're all progressing, but to what degree, I'm not sure. And the latest video that we had, uh, Sammy, you sent this out, had Muzzin on the, on the ice, but... It didn't look like he... Something didn't he, feel right. Listen, how much body language can you get out of a 10-second clip? Like, but if we have a two-hour radio show, you better hope some. Enough. <laughs> enough where I think people were looking at a, a frustrated Muzzin yeah. on, a, on a short clip. I think just frustrated that... And I watched the play a number of times. It just it's something that doesn't feel right, right? Like he wants it to. It's just not... To me, I wonder, in a wild speculation... Is it something like groin again where it's like, you know, it just feels a twinge, you know what I mean? Like you just get that little pull or an ab or an oblique. Like it's a muscle thing to me at that point. I think it's way too early to put him back out when you've pulled him off for not feeling right, i.e. lingering concussion issues or ailing another injury. I just... Especially off that clip. Don't you think you got to get him back in as soon as possible, though? I just think if if he is Points. not feeling a hundred percent, I think to get on the ice at this point, like I'd like to hear you say I, I feel fine, and now we can start working on ah, timing. Time frame. Yeah, you know, just but but he didn't look right on on that goal, uh, Tom Wilson goal against Washington. Like that was just. The furthest away. The John away, Carlson one. John Carlson, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. where you undressed yeah. him. That's right. Yeah. That, that, to me, looked like the furthest thing that Jake Muzzin is all about. Yeah. You had something there, Sammy? Well, I listen, watching that clip, and we were like over-analyzed David Alter's 10-second 10, 10 clip that he tweeted out. But That's what we do, Sammy. Tur- That's what we do. <laughs> he couldn't turn into the middle. And he finished with a one-hand shot, keeled over. And then we don't have to listen to body language. We can listen to real language. There was a loud F-bomb involved. He looked like he was in some significant pain. I don't think he's coming I, back before playoffs. I, 
boys, I just can't. If he help. does, give him the but, last two games. What do we have? Detroit and Boston. Boston. That Boston is a throwaway game. But I don't know, Kipper. It feels like you, all these four guys on the ice. Don't you think it could be like the end of preseason where you get your real lineup together for one? Yeah. All right, let's have one sort of Kasha. You're in, Sandy. Not, not you're if in, you're Muzz, not. You're in. Not if you're not a hundred percent. Yeah, take the day. That's all. And uh, if if you're trying to jam a square peg in a round hole here um that's he's not the guy to do it with with two significant head injuries this season i know and remember last season they had a bunch of guys who were hurt and came back just in time for playoffs right it was almost the same thing hyman i don't know that he played before the playoffs um nick felino i don't think played before playoffs there was Riley Nash played his first game in a long time, was in, in the playoffs. Like, the Leafs were kind of in this spot, and, you know, they didn't get the best out of those guys. Yeah, I, I think if they can get him back, Kipper, you'd certainly like to do it. I know you don't want to put him back in unless they're 100%, but, man, starting in the postseason against the Tampa Bay Lightning, that is some speed you've set the treadmill to before throwing someone on. Kasha could be and found how, money. Yeah. How many games has he played since the trade deadline, boys? Muzz? Yeah, it can't like, be much more than two or three. three. Two or three. So he started, I can't help. But, he started in I Florida. I can't help but look back. I can't help but look back at the trade deadline and how they were hesitant to Oregon. use the the LTIR. I hate to beat a dead horse on that one, but that was a real mistake. You know what? It's crazy. Is it's not just four games since the trade deadline, which was what March twenty first. His mm-hmm. it, it's four games since February twenty first. So he's only played yeah. four hockey games yeah. in, in two months now. And, you know, those games were not exactly, uh, you know, the, his best performances. So real concerns about the Muzzin situation. I know a lot of uh, Leafs fans feel better about the Leafs' decor. And, and there is some consolation here that maybe it buys Muzzin time to matter later in the playoffs. I know we're not even allowed to pretend like the Leafs might win around. But were they to, ha- to have some sort of run, I think he'd be a guy you would get back at some point, which is encouraging. And it's honestly like one of those things that may work out for your f- in, in your favor accidentally. He's not been very good. No. He's not been very good. No, he has not been right. And you don't want to sit him out, but if this you know keeps him out and you're better off for it, I don't know, man. Has he been one of their six best? I don't think so. Not for a while. Not for a while. Yeah. Why don't we get the feel of the team? We'll listen to our last Kippers Clippers here, the uh, the top one, and then we'll uh, we'll keep going on that. Focused, uh, focused, and confident. You know the guys. The guys really believe in what we're doing. They believe in each other. They believe in themselves. Um, and then just focused. You know, on knowing that <clears throat> we need to play these regular season games. We need to put ourselves in as good a spot as possible, but know, know, you know what we're preparing for, knowing that it's going to be extremely difficult. Even, we've known that for quite some time. You know, we know it before the season begins that you know to get out of our division is going to be a real challenge. And then once the games start getting played and you really see the teams in our division and how they're playing, you know, you, you know it's it's a challenge. It's going to, going to be difficult. So we've we've been preparing uh, for difficult times all season. For the players to match those words, then this is a, an important night for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. For no other reason is that, you know, when, when you use words to describe your team, like focused and confident and, you know, preparing for that 
all-important game one puck drop, then it has to have a better look than, say, one more recently against the Buffalo Sabres. Right. Yeah. Another scenario, much like the Buffalo game, against a team like this would draw in some concerns. Would you Would you, yeah. would you think so? Or yeah. would you Would you throw away another... That's uh, the end of the season. I know, how crap. many games can you throw away, right? I don't know. Yeah. And that's, I am worried about this last little end of year stretch because motivation is not particularly high. It seems like we know where they're going to finish in the standings. Obviously, that can change. They go lose against Tampa and things tighten up real quick. But it doesn't feel dire knowing the, the two, three game, uh, series they're going to play in. They're waiting for some of these guys to come back. They're not dressing their best lineup. Matthews could play. I don't know. It just, I, I worry about the commitment to, you know, Keith says, you know, we got to play these games. We have to play these regular season games, almost like no one wants to. It's just a tough mental position. I feel like they're in here. If they lose a bunch, wouldn't blow my mind. We've got Chris Terry and uh, he's been on the show. Doesn't mince words at all when it comes to describing the Philadelphia Flyers. So he'll help us tee that up. And he's also going to uh, speak of ice's war. What is that? <laughs> it sounds it's a violent. combination of hockey and and fighting and boxing on the ice. This is and, a and by a combination of of hockey, uh, there's no there's no hockey. This is basically grabbing a bunch of hockey enforcers and um, selling a fight. I guess. Yeah, Kipper, I mean, are you going to get in there? I I get a headache just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, fighting is sold and legal in many places. Is this socially acceptable in 2022? <laughs> hey, the UFC is a big business. People like fighting. I like fighting. I can't wait to hear Bundy talk about this one. Uh, we also got Craig Simpson coming up. He'll, of course, help us uh, tee up tonight's game as well. And in the second Andy, uh, in the second hour, Andy Strickland, of course, uh, co-host of Cam and Strick podcast, will also join us. Uh, Jack Campbell, any surprise that he's starting tonight? And what does that mean with the two games coming up in Florida? You assume Mm -hmm. he'll get one of those. For me, it's shaping up for Campbell tonight. Yep. Bypass Campbell in Tampa Bay. You don't get to see our cards. Do not get to see that look. Goes against Florida. And then you give Shalgren the Tampa Bay Lightning. What are your thoughts? I, I also like the idea that you give him the air quotes easier game tonight coming off a game where you think he played well. Like I thought Jack was good last game. He helped them win. That's the air quotes easier game. If he plays well again tonight, what have we got here? We've got a little momentum. Get him feeling good, right? I think there's a chance to get to get his mojo going at the right time of year. Skipping Tampa's good. That gives him four days off from... Uh, Philly to Saturday. I like that too. And you know, Florida lights you up. Well, they're the best offensive team in the last 25 years. So everyone's getting lit up against Florida. So I, I don't know. I think it's, it's shaping up. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me the way they've got it. Hey, by the way, I just had this thought. Are we missing the boat on calling it Kip's clips <laughs> instead of Kipper's clippers? Whatever you want. <laughs> Whatever I like Kipper's works. clippers. Kipper's clippers sounds awesome. I love it. We're sticking <laughs> with Kipper's clippers. It's a fun thing to say. It is. Sammy, are are you on your way back to feeling like Jack is on his way there, getting there? Uh, Is is tonight a a game where you still need to see more? 
Um, no, tonight is a game that I it's I'm surprised they're putting him in there because it's kind of a no-win situation. Because you win, you play sort of well, you're supposed to beat the the Flyers, right? They're one of the worst teams in the league. They're going nowhere fast. They've kind of offsold all their all their guys. And then if you go in there and he lets in a few bad ones and you lose somehow to the to the crappy Flyers, then you know that's going to hurt your confidence. And then you head into a game against the Florida Panthers on the weekend. I would have gone Shalgren uh, tonight, Shalgren in Tampa, and then go uh, Ooh, back to Give back. Him as much rest as Shalgren. He I would have. I honestly would have. Like, what are we trying to prove here? There's no. I know you want to get him in a rhythm. There's enough games to play him to, you know, make sure he still remembers how to play hockey. But you will need this guy 100% healthy. He's already missed a couple games. I, I, I don't really necessarily understand going with Shaw, with going with Campbell tonight. But uh, maybe if he plays well to get his confidence going. But it has the chance to go the other way, in my opinion. All right, let's welcome in Chris Terrian, uh, former Flyer defenseman. Snow the goalie is the Flyers podcast. Cast. And <laughs> don't count. Don't tell them that. (laughs) (laughs) And ice is war. We're going to get into that a a little later on, okay? So we got plenty to discuss with you, Chris. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, I'd rather hear it from you than than our producer, Sammy, on what the Flyers (laughs) exactly have left in the tank and where they're going in a very short period of time or or a long period of time. But uh, how... how are the Flyers coming into this game tonight? Well, I mean, probably knowing that they have six games left, they probably are hoping it ends as painlessly as possible. Uh, I mean, they've played their whole season like that. They've played it, like, on the perimeter. They didn't look like they really cared much. I'll be, I mean, that's the way it's been, guys. It's been one of the worst years in the history of the franchise. Uh, it's hard to even tune into a game right now. There's nothing going on. Uh, at all, and I, and I think the worst part about it is, is nobody's really sure what the future looks like. It is, it's, it's really one of the most clouded, mysterious things that's ever happened to a team of the Flyers' status that I've ever witnessed in my life at any pro sport. Um, they, they have no direction. Nobody knows where they've been, where they're going, um, who's going to be on the team. I mean, the next great Philadelphia Flyer might be a 13-year-old right now. I'm just saying. Like, I, <laughs> That's all very uh, uh, depressing. It, it is, and, and listen, and, and, and it breaks my heart to say it. it it's been a, it, from a business side on that standpoint. It's been a dumpster fire. I mean, we've had they've had a mascot that's become the face of the franchise, um, and now you know you get personal stories coming out with trainers the other day. It's guys. It's been honest to God. It's been like a two years from hell, but they haven't helped themselves at all in any facet, and I don't know. I mean, they're going to turn this roster over. I would think the, the GM, all of it. I would, I have to imagine, uh, it needs a complete overhaul, guys, right from top to bottom. Uh, and who comes in next is going to be the most important figure, maybe, in in the new millennium for for Flyers hockey. Because the problem is now is if you can't fix your team uh, or, or rebuild it where it's successful, you could be in the doldrums for 15 years. I mean, look at the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, it's 11 years without a playoff run. So that's, that's my fear right now with the way that the salary cap is structured. If you don't have that one guy, like you miss out on a Nolan Patrick second overall, that sets your franchise back in so many ways on the hockey side of things. Uh, you just can't recover from something like that. So, uh, and then you end up trading him and another piece for a guy who's 
been completely injured the whole year. That's what I mean, like with, with Ellis. So, guys, I mean, I, I, there's not a positive thing really I could fall back on and say that, that it looks good. I mean, they've got a couple of kids signed. You know, they brought in Brink from co- uh, college. He had a great finish to the season, won a national championship. Um, you know, they have a couple of good guys, like I, I, I think are going to build into the future, like a Farabee. Um Carter Hart, hopefully he continues to get better. His games, he played really well this year. It's not total doom and gloom. Um, You know, Couturier coming back. You know, I don't know what to think of that one, Kipper. You know, like, it's a guy that's played a lot of hockey already, close to, you know, the age of 30 years old. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. He had a back injury this year. So that's another question. Um, You know, the defense have not come along like everybody said they were going to and were expected to come along. So there's a lot of problems, a lot of internal problems um, that this Flyers team has on both the business and the hockey side. And to be honest with you, um, I've never, I've never seen the franchise like this. Like I've never seen the Flyers like this ever in the history that I've been around. So is it happening then? Like, it sounds like everyone accepts that something's got to give. Like, is it just assumed it's going to be mass firings once the season hits the, the final game? Well, I mean, you have the, the guy, the chairman, who's, you know, the one that was, that was put in place by Ed Snyder, Dave Scott, uh, who, you know, gave the, the coach a, you know, uh, you know, a pat on the back kind of and said he'll, he's coming in next year. That's the last I've heard of him from that standpoint. So, you know, again, I don't know what they're doing. And then, they, you know, they promoted Danny Breer, who had a good interview with Montreal, uh, you know, up, up through that line. I mean, again, guys, I just don't, I don't know what, what's in terms of what's out there. I think they're almost at a point where they need a complete overhaul. I mean, you're always going to have your figureheads. Like, I think a guy like Bob Clark or even Paul Holmgren, who, by the way, they get, they get ripped here in Philadelphia for saying they run. They don't have anything to do with the team anymore. They have nothing to do with the hockey team at all. Clarkie's an advisor. He will always look for what will be the best thing to do for the hockey club as an organization, and he wants to have a good team. Same with Paul Holmgren, but they're not running the team right now. And, and I just really feel, guys, that they're at the stage right now where – they just need a complete overhaul of everything from hockey to It's been a really long, you know, I, I think Claude Giroux in, in many ways um, put a Band-Aid on a lot of things every year through his great play. And I think this team, you know, and again, you know, you, you wondered why they were in the playoffs one year, then they'd miss. They're in, they're out, they're out, they're in. That's just called inconsistency. And it's gone on for a decade. And it's the same thing. And I think now when you look at, you know, the fans' frustration, the team being bad, the, the dealing with the mascot, the stands every night, people's way, uh, you know, you end up with, you know, 5,000 people at a hockey game multiple nights in, in Philadelphia, which is unheard of. Because I saw this team, the worst team in the league in 07, and the building was sold out every night. We're talking to former defenseman uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers, Chris Terrian. You know, there there has been a blueprint for tanking or at least uh, going into a full rebuild that that certain programs have bought into. Uh, Toronto's a prime example of it just before Austin Matthews came on board. Where is the flyer faithful in all of this? The worst thing that can happen to any organization is apathy. That's the danger. Has it happened in Philly? Is it going on? Yeah. Well, the good thing with Philly, Kipper, and you know this, uh, they'll, they'll come back, right? Like they can, they'll come back, but there has to be so many things that have to change for the team. I mean, like, you know, I went into the, to things before they were saying like someone called me, so what was, what, what was the, the tipping point for this? So a lot of things that went on. Um, when you start ripping away parts of history, that really annoyed the old school fan base here. Like this is a very passionate old school, you know, out just out of the original six. 
don't tell the fans in Philadelphia that they need to adjust to, to things that are, or to be more progressive. So when they came in, that's ex- exactly what the business side told the fans. They went and they tried to execute that, and the fans were like, forget it. I, I, I can't tell you the amount of people I walk up to me like, you know what? Uh, yeah, the team's not great, but even, even if it was not as good uh, or we've dealt with years where it was excellent, we still bought our tickets. But we don't want to go down there anymore because that's not what flyer hockey was over all these years. I hear that all the time here in the Delaware Valley. And that's what has to change. It has to change quick. The Flyers are an adored franchise. They, they built this up in within you know six, seven years. They won the Stanley Cup. They and, and, and Nick, you know, you played here, so you have an affinity and a knowledge of, of the fan base. These the fans here paralleled themselves with the Broad Street Bullies, and maybe part of the game, the way the game has changed, taken out the electricity, the toughness, the fighting. Uh, that resonated so well with the brand that was the Broad Street Bullies is a progressive change because it's happened league-wide. But when you're doing things that people felt good about with the Philadelphia Flyers that are no longer there, that's the apathy that has set in. And that's, again, why you watch the game some nights and you have blocks of, uh, of sections, entire sections that are empty that has never happened in the history of Philadelphia hockey ever before this season. Do then, you know, hearing you then, I, I can't help but wonder, they, do they love Zach McEwen then? This guy looks like he's just a thriller to watch. Great highlights of his fights anyway. Uh, the guy is. I mean, listen, yeah, they do love him. I mean, he gets out there, he plays, you know, and again, is, has the game progressed? It has. I mean, there's, there's not as much room for it. Uh, you know, there's, there's an element on winning, uh, an element on scoring goals and skill. But, yeah, people like Zach McHugh. I'm not saying you need to play a guy 12 minutes. You're not going to be able to find a way to play him 12 minutes a night. But when things are going on in a game, it's still really, really nice uh, to be able to, to rely on that in a lot of ways and uh, at least have it as part of the entertainment venue. So, and I think that that's, it's all part of it, right? Like, it's just, it doesn't mean that it has to be the prevalent part, but it is part of it. And yeah, Zach McEwen, uh, like all Philadelphians before him, maybe there's not 19,000 here, but the ones that do watch him do enjoy, uh, enjoy what he does. So, Bundy, who can they hang their hat on? Is it still Carter Hart? Is there still some pieces there that you can definitely say they are flyers? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think Joel Farabee. Um, He's a guy that I think is, 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 you know, got a contract. He's a go-to-the-net type of player. Couturier. I, I love Sean Couturier. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's like a Patrice Bergeron. Uh, he hasn't been able to do it, as, you know, I think with the, the amount of um, uh, awards that Patrice has won over the years. But he's right there. He won the Selkie last year. He's a great player. I worry about his, you know, his health coming off that back injury. Uh, Carter Hart absolutely is somebody that they should be excited about. I really think he's got a chance to get better. Uh, the defense is, is the biggest question mark for me is I just don't know what to make yet of Provorov and Sanheim. I mean, they've had been looked at long enough. I've said for a few years, I don't think Provorov is a number one defenseman. I still don't. But I still think he can be effective with the right partner. Um, he took a step back for most of three quarters of this year. He's played well the last 10 or 12 games, a little bit better than he was. But again, those are question marks for me. And, I, and you know, the, there just may not be a whole ton of really good defensemen in the league. And when you got one that's, that's above average, you're probably going to do what you can to keep them. But um, you know, they have a lot of bad contracts too, right? A lot of bad money tied up in older veteran players. Um, and that's another wrinkle in all this that they're going to have to try to find their way out of. And uh, right now there's probably not a lot of teams lining up to take a, you know, that hefty number off JVR off the board to get them to play for his team. So 
there's a lot of it's just a lot of pain, guys. Immediate pain for the for the fans and people that care and love this franchise in Philadelphia. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of pain moving forward. Also, I don't think there's any way around that. Chris, you, you touched on this briefly uh, at the start of our hit where two longtime Philadelphia Flyer trainers have filed a lawsuit against team ownership alleging that they were yeah. exposed to cancer, causing chemicals uh, at the <laughs> practice facility. How has this story played out locally? People are disgusted. You know, I think that some of the quotes that it were just, you know, that they put out, I mean, these are guys that are as much a part of the, the team as anybody. And just to see, like, wow. Two rare forms of cancer, non-treatable, like their fate is sealed. Um, over what, you know, who knows what goes through these ranks, right, Kipper? Like, I mean, I've been in ranks my whole life. You have, all of us have to play hockey. Uh, you know, there's stories that I read in the article about running the Zambonis. The, I know one thing. The way that the skate zone has been set up my whole life, that training room was right connected to the Zamboni area. Um it just it just seems awfully odd and bizarre that um, and, and not and not a coincidence at all wow. that that something like that happened. It's the two of the absolute best people you would ever meet, and um, I'm, I'm I'm sick to my stomach for them. I'm heartbroken for their families, um, as everybody is. And this is something that this story, uh, you know, I don't want to lose legs because I it's important that these guys get that message out. That it, it was big enough for them to take legal action. And I'd like to hear more about it as they move forward. Yeah, well, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, awkward transition always, but you know, we'll move on to the next thing you've got going on here. You're broadcasting ICE's War. And I'm going to read the description yeah, here. A combination of hockey and boxing. Why don't you tell us about it? What is ICE's War? Well, you got the clip, and I'm going to just jump my car. So tell us what you got that I sent you. It, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what it is. It, it's, it's, so a lot of it came off of uh, yeah, a lot of the characters involved, guys, are amazing. A.J. Galante, the story on Netflix last year, the yes. crimes and punishments, the untold stories, the Danbury trashers. So he's behind it. Cato Kalen. Yes, Cato Kalen via O.J. Simpson. He's very much part of it. He's a humongous, <laughs> Come on. humongous Guys, he's a humongous player in Hollywood, and you know what? He knows has a lot of connections. So they tried this in 2006. Joe Watson knows a gentleman named Charlie Nama, who's from Smithers, British Columbia, that's reinvented the league. And being a good brethren uh, and part of the hockey community, Joe said, well, I got a good broadcaster for you, Chris Terrian. So Charlie called me, AJ called me, said, would you be interested in, you know, kind of just being an announcer? They got a, quite a cast of characters involved. Uh, the fighters will be announced. It's in Edmonton uh, live on March uh, May 21st, and it's, there's a pay-per-view involved as well. I'm trying to get you guys some info, and I'd love to come on again, guys, before to discuss it. But listen, I'm not out there, Kipper, because of the 1,500 fights I had. Uh, I've watched enough good fights that I should be able to call some of them. So I'm <laughs> a shot. And who knows where it goes? You know what? I look at UFC, and some days you see guys, you know, in those fights are holding each other down for four or five minutes in a round. This is interesting. Uh, Kipper, you've mixed it up several times in your career. Um, it's two one-minute rounds. There's one no minutes for forever. Any, uh, it, guys, I said the same thing. Like, oh, that's quick. No, it's not. You still try trucking them for one minute straight. Oh, You're going to wow. knock yourself out almost. <laughs> so uh, it'll be a lot of live action. And when you hear the cast of characters, uh, they look like descendants of the Oglethorpe group there from uh, wow. Saskatchewan. I would imagine yeah. there'd have to be a lot of built-in rules about uh, certain things. Like uh, my first thought is Rob Ray and how he 
gear off. down yeah. right away so there's nothing to grab onto. I mean, guys will be wearing lycra jerseys just getting yeah, tight. Exactly. <laughs> nothing to grab. Exactly. But uh, clearly, yeah, but there's I, a I, marketplace. There is, and, and there are rules to this, guys. There are, there are gloves like UFC gloves, there is some headgear. Uh, you talk a quick story, and, and I know you talked about the no gear. I saw Dave Brown my first year as a rookie literally take off every piece of equipment. He had no T-shirt on. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> my God, what do you do with this guy? And that's a, that's a great point. Like, nobody could grab anywhere. Nobody. And you got a guy like Brown, he's 6'5", like a 250, that just wants to kill you. So <laughs> I like, never realized like at 22 mule. years old. Like, yes. I'm dying to see how it's scored, like knockdowns, what, you know, round robin. You got to fight four times to win, I imagine. Good Lord. Yes, so, and, the, and there's 12 fighters, guys. But I, I know one thing. There's going to be some amazing fights. There's a couple guys that have been out there. There's going to be they're going to be announcing the fighters in the next few days. But May 21st at Edmonton, it will be uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time, the event. It is pay-per-view. Fight Network is carrying it, and I'll get you guys more information if you can help me uh, get that message out as the event approaches. That would be great. Hold on. Who are you drafting from the NHL today? If you can get one guy from the league to participate, who would it be? I guess I'd put my boy Zach Mack in there, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Thriller. Yeah, I mean, he's got the hair, the mustache. I think it's a perfect. You know, part of it, guys, is more for me about the entertainment. There's like that WWE thing to it, too, where we're trying to build the characters. Because that's a great thing with hockey. It has so many great characters. And and I think the more that you're able to show that off, no matter what the venue is, guys, or how it is, uh, I show off personalities, the toughness. And, uh, and I think a lot of the brethren and brotherhood will shine through as well, as it always has. You're, you're leading in, in the personality department, that's for sure, Bundy. Thanks for joining us. Guys, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Chris Terrian. You know, I watched uh, the documentary of the very first WrestleMania in New York City. Oh, yeah. And nobody had a clue. And they were just much like what uh, Bundy said with, uh, is it uh, Cato Caitlin? Cato Caitlin, I haven't even yeah. said that word like in 20 years, <laughs> that name. And they did the same thing. They went out and got these celebrities and mm. Cindy uh, Lobster. Cindy Lobster, for sure. Um, Cindy Lopper. And then they went out and they hired uh, uh, Muhammad Ali as yeah. the referee. So all of a sudden, like... A little weight to it. little weight, a little credibility, and it just snowballed. And it, it instantly, after that event in New York City, turned it into a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. You just know, like that. I am the sort of prime age for the very start of UFC. And I remember the very first UFC events, and the idea was styles of fighting and so they'd say like could a sumo wrestler beat up a little karate dude and it's like well no the karate guy's too fast and he's like yeah but he's like 600 pounds you just sit on him and so they put him in a ring they put him in a ring and like the first i remember like some little karate guy in a gi like choking out a 400 pound sumo dude (laughs) wasn't there uh like the thought when it started to go or they were trying to push mainstream uh, the UFC that this thing will not last. Like somebody will Dubai, die yeah. and they'll shut it right down. Uh, yeah, that that was the thought. I don't know. I, I think people have died. Last time I, I checked, know. it's now probably a <laughs> oh, billion, I'm sure it's dollar, a billion industry. dollar industry. Sure. Like, does this stand a chance? Can you? I don't can think. You, uh, can you grab? Can you grab like a small percentage of MMA diehards into? 
this event that uh, Chris Terrian's with. It's actually interesting because he talked about progressive and where hockey's going and whatever. It's going to be interesting to see how much attention it gets from hockey people who are frustrated at what the game is now. Maybe there's a bigger draw for this than we think. You know, maybe it does big pay-per-view numbers, and they say, we might drop, drop a puck out here, too. Might even have a hockey <laughs> match. <laughs> Sammy, would you have any interest in watching this? Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, I'm watching, too. I'm definitely watching. <laughs> I'll, I'll go up to, like, 50 yes. bucks a, uh, on a PP or pay-per-view, I think. I can't watch too long, or else I'll, I'll, hey, I'll man, start to get me? nauseous. Oh, really? Well, I don't know. There's yeah. something. There's, there I got a trigger, and... Uh, Let's look at you can only watch for so long. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm not kidding. If I see somebody really go down, I'll, I'll get a bit of a headache. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, do you want suggestions on why, maybe? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess if I talk to a shrink, they'd, they'd nail me uh, right down for, uh, uh, here, here, here's some advice for $300 an hour. Don't watch it. <laughs> Don't watch it. I, I can fix your problems oh, thanks, for you. Thanks, Doc. Yeah. I'm gone. <laughs> but there's always a, a part of me that's kind of got that... Morbid curiosity. Well, that uh, slowing down on the highway to see the car yeah. wreck. Yeah, and uh, it is good that it sounds like they got like a glove on or a piece of headwear or some headgear or something, so... Anyway. Oh, yeah, that'll really... When someone's just pounding on your forehead. Wailed in the jaw. Right? Yeah, that'll All help. right. Okay, let's take a quick break. We got uh, Craig Simpson... All skill in his career. Never had to worry about that sort of stuff. Love it. He's on after the break. Hockey Night in Canada, analyst. And you're watching Real Kipper and Born and watching on our YouTube Sportsnet channel. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The code word for today's episode to text 59590 to qualify for your shot to win Lease Bruins tickets on April 29th is coil Craig Simpson's going to join us here and he's got some names on the flyers I've never heard of JB Are you most excited to see Ronnie Atard, Noah Eights or Igor Zamula tonight Kipper uh, All real humans Igor yeah, me too. Big Zamula guy myself. Got a jersey, actually. Igor should be like 270 pounds with that name. <laughs> don't you think? Igor Zamula. Yeah, so anyway, I don't, I don't know. Some interesting new flyers that I'm not familiar with tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's welcome in Craig Simpson. Simmer, are you there? I am. It's good I'm not doing that game then, I guess. Oh, right? you're, you're, <laughs> you, you, so listen, it's, it's you and Austin taking the night off? Yeah, it's, it's not a Sportsnet game uh, tonight for us, so we get to watch. But I, I guess have I should seen know Ronnie that. Atard. <laughs> yeah, I have seen Ronnie Atard. Uh, he played the last time, uh, I, th- I believe it was his first game that okay. they came in. But Igor, I'm I'm not familiar with, so it'll be an interesting night to watch. Hey, just before we get into some uh, the uh, small details of uh, the Leafs and Flyers tonight, just speak a little bit. Um, let's forget about Austin for one second or any other players. Uh, let's talk about you as a broadcaster and I've been through it and just 
you know, what's coming up for you in the next two months, right? And yeah, you know you're going call. you're going the distance here. It's not like you can get bumped out in the, in the first round here. So yeah. uh, what's that like as you prep for this for, um, you know, how many years now, 20 plus? Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. I, I think we're very much like the, the players in many ways. You get to a point where, okay, let's just finish this off and get to the important games coming up. So I think we're kind of at that stage now. Uh, my remaining schedule is uh, Saturday in Florida, Sunday in Washington, and then the Red Wings for that last beautiful game on Tuesday uh, that we do. So, you know, you look at that and you say, okay, Florida's going to be an intriguing one. It's always good to have Washington. But, guys, you're focused on, okay, am I preparing for Tampa? That would probably be, you know, my ideal uh, uh, prep work going. Or are we going to have a surprise and get to Boston? So I'm looking forward to playoffs. It's the only time that – that truly it's just all about the games. You know, you guys sit yeah. and talk every day or when you're on TV, you have to, you have to bring some storylines. You have to bring something unique or different. The great thing about playoffs is the game before dictates what you're talking about in that, in the next one, because it is so tied into each other. And uh, if, if you, uh, you know me, Nick, that's the kind of stuff I love. And that's why I get really excited about playoff time that, that's really the main focus is what the matchup is going to be, what adjustment the coach makes, the penalty killings getting killed. So what adjustment can you make to stop the power play? I mean, those are all the things that win or lose the series. And that's the exciting thing as a broadcaster to, to get pumped up for. I think that's something we wanted to focus on with our show is actually talking about the hockey games. There's so many other things around the game, isn't there? It can be easy to get distracted. And so I'm with you. Love the playoff stuff. I would like to hear a little bit about how you prepare for uh, a game or even a playoff series, where do you gather your stats, your tidbits? How do you go about pulling this all together? Well, you know, there's a pretty much normal routine in terms of the game notes every day. Uh, Our company does a great job with a stat pack. And I think the stat pack, sort of the little nuggets that you don't necessarily know, uh, historical things, things that the streaks for every guy. And that's an important part of it um, just to have, you know, some nugget of information. I, I think you go through the routine every day of knowing where the guy played, knowing where he played junior or college. Uh, has he been in the American League? Has he been as far as the East Coast League? Uh, getting a sense of what career highs they've had, uh, what kind of seasons in the last little while. That, that's just the normal every game prep work. Uh, I think what does become interesting come playoff time, and as you guys know, you know, would you have picked uh, from our era, Nick, uh, would you go John Bruce? You wouldn't ever think of him coming into a playoff game until the year after he scored 14 goals. Or, or Chris Contos, you know, coming in Tampa and in L.A. having great playoffs. You know, those are the little things that the regular season you can just throw out the window. You have to be prepared to see, you know, what's maybe going to be the next unique guy that can have an impact and, and maybe transform and change a series. And I think you got to be on top of that a little bit historically, who's been able to do that and reference it as it goes along. You know, there's been so much talk about uh, the morning skate, uh, the day of a game, especially in the playoffs and who uses it, who doesn't. But for the most part, uh, there's always an availability for the media. And for those of you, uh, you listening and watching that don't know that, uh, you know, that's an important day for, for the mass media. But you, as a national rights holder, 
uh, Simmer, uh, whether it was you yep. and uh, Huey, Jim Hewson, or uh, now yep. Chris, would also manage to get a little bit of an exclusive window to talk to various people, including coaches, on, on a small window. How important is that going in every night uh, in your telecast? Yeah, I, I think it's much more important come playoff time. I, I get, quite frankly, uh, for the most part, if you talk to Sheldon Keith, we try not to bother him all that much on a you know daily basis. You guys see it. I mean, part of the drag of being a head coach in the National Hockey League is just how much you got to answer the same question, you know, over and over and each and every day. So I, I think both Chris and I try to take that pressure off during the regular season, but there's no question key important, you know, coming into a series, you get the questions for the mass group and then there's just the right rights holders where you know, you got a little bit of a different relationship just personally with each and every coach. Some guys are a lot more comfortable just talking to you. They know that you're going to filter what you say. You're not going to bury a guy. But it is important to get a sense of, you know, what does he think the keys to this series are going to be? Or what is the big concern? Or who on that other side have they really spent a lot of time focusing on? And I think it's playoff times that those kind of little meetings just are of huge value uh, just to give you another thing to be thinking of and, and going into the game expecting to see. And if you don't see it, then you got to answer why. Like, why is this not happening? And when it should, when you know that that's a focal point of what the coach wants to accomplish, somebody's not doing the job. And I think those are the little things that are important to, to understand as you get prepared. One of the uh, situations the Toronto Maple Leafs will be dealing with is health. And they have a number yeah. of players who could be available and seem like they will be for playoffs. Uh, I guess, where do you stand on how important uh, getting to 100% is versus getting some games in before the postseason? Seems like, you know, Kasha could be available, Sandine, maybe even a Muzzin. Which would you prioritize? Well, I'll ask. How's the cap situation? <laughs> then, yeah, then you fair. can prioritize who's, who can play and who can't. If, if it's going to ruin your cap, then you know the answer to that, Justin. It's going to be uh, playoff time. But I, I think the the key ones, Sandine and Kasha, for sure. You know that that's a departure from guys that aren't necessarily a Kucherov who just says, "I don't need to play at all. I can just come play at a high level in playoffs." Those, those guys. I would suspect if they are getting close to that 100, uh, they'd make every effort to try to get them in and get them back up to speed. You, you know, the, I, I think just the mental switch that happens come playoff time is, is kind of ingrained in the players anyway. They, they know it's different. All, all you have to do is whenever it starts, whether it's Monday or Tuesday, watch, watch the first shift of the first game. And you know it's a different game than what the, play, the regular season was. So I, I think mentally... Uh, the players get to that. But a guy like Sandine, I wouldn't feel comfortable just throwing him in the middle of first game back in the playoffs. Kasha with the head issues that he's had, I think it is important, more so even than a Jake Muzzin. If Muzzin or, of course, you know, Matthews, if I don't know how long this is going to linger that he's not going to be there. But if Matthews needs to get healthy and he's still probably not going to be 100% healthy on game one, you could sit him the rest, and he's going to be ready to play at a high level. I, I wouldn't be worried about that. But the other two guys, I think you try to get them in at, at all costs if they're close to being healthy, just to get them up to speed, just to get them the confidence and, and the rhythm back of, in their game. 
We're talking to Craig Simpson, two-time Stanley Cup champion and Hockey Night in Canada analyst. Simmer, we didn't have uh, uh, a salary cap. So what do you remember about uh, the balancing act in staying competitive and rest with the likes of uh, a Mario Lemieux, uh, a Messier, a Curry, a Coffee, Gretzky? You know, we had Brett Hall on the other day, and we talked about uh, rest, and he's like, Okay, there's not a hope in hell I was going to miss any games at all down the stretch. It's, yeah. it's the only thing yeah. I like about hockey is the <laughs> games. games. You're not taking that <laughs> he, away from me. He'd be the one going, I'm not taking a game off so you're going to skate me in practice. <laughs> <laughs> not right? Like, not a chance. I, I think I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in the rest. I, I, I just think that. You know, anytime you sort of start taking your foot off the gas and start changing your mentality and not playing, I, I don't think it's it's a, it's anything good that comes out of it. And you know, it is different. Uh, just again, use Matthews or let's say uh, Wayne or Mess has a broken rib or something. You go, you know what's probably good with these to give them two games because his ribs are sore because you know you're going to be a target. You know it's going to hurt you all the way through. You know. You're not going to miss a playoff game, but, man, you're playing every single game hurt. So that's a very different thing. But if it's just the case of, well, we want to rest you up, I don't think there's any top player out there that looks at that as a positive. I think you get back in, you stay hot, you score, and then you just, like everybody else, start with zeros, get ready for the battle that's going to be hopefully a two-month journey, and get back in there and get playing. Simmer, where do you sit on what the Lightning are these days? They're statistically worse than they've been the past couple seasons, but they still yep. have the people that have won the Stanley Cups. What do you think yep. they are? Are they as formidable as they've been in the past? Yeah, I, I think they're a team that, I mean, you don't throw out the stats, but it, stats don't tell the whole story. Yeah. And, you know, I think stats are ones that you're trying to get through to the finish line. And you remember, Coop, Cooper right now is in a case where I got to balance. I, I don't need to be too hard. I don't want to crack it there, but I got to make sure that I'm keeping them on their toes. As Glenn Sather always said to us, you know, we'd have stretches where we weren't playing all that well, but we'd play well for five and a half minutes and score three or four and win. Yeah. And so the message, the messaging there is guys, you can't expect to be able to flip the switch and change the game. That, that can't be part of our mentality going in. So there's lots of discussion about it, but I don't think you're looking at the overall stats from that team and say, well, they don't look nearly as prepared. What you hope and what you expect from that team is when the playoffs start, your veterans are, are pulling the strings the right way. The intensity level ranches up because everybody understands how hard you have to work. And what I always love, and you look at historically teams that are able to win well, in their case, two in a row or try to get to three in a row or like the Oilers, you know, five and seven years, uh, you, you try to bring in some new blood and some guys who are hungry. And that pushes the old guys, too. They might not know, like Adam Graves and Joe Murphy and Marty Jelena for us in 1990 hadn't been through the battles before. But, man, that adds the excitement and the energy of the veteran guys going, oh, yeah, like they're raw, they're green. They, let's show them how this is done. I think the Lightning understand that, and that's why you've seen some of the moves there that said, 
guys with no experience come in and they push some of the older guys to get back at it and say, I want this guy to experience what we've experienced because it's the best thing in the world, as you know, Nick. And you say, I think that's the the balance that you have to have within your group. Yeah, and uh, I think Sheldon's done a pretty good job in my eyes when it comes to uh, the narrative of, and he's mentioned it a couple times, Simmer, about home ice advantage. And yep. while it's not as important to jam Austin Matthews back in a in a in a game situation now, but he's reminding the guys that there's still a, a ton to play for here. Um, is it yeah. is it huge for you that uh, that wherever they open up, uh, it's at home? You know what it it always is, uh, Nick. When got control of it right now which they do and if you were to lose control of it and lose home ice now it's an issue right so if they were in a position where they're chasing and it's a it's a faint chance that they're going to get it i think you always say don't worry about home ice you know like we can win on the road it's a good mentality but the one thing you don't want is the negative coming into the playoffs where you had a six-point lead you know they had a game in hand but you had a six-point lead Mm -hmm. and you blew it like that, that's the change in the mentality. You want every neuron in your brain firing a positive note. And that's where when you're the coach of a team that has it in their own hand and nobody can catch them if you just take care of your business, that's why you preach a lot that it is important just so you don't let that slide. One more before uh, we let you go here. Maybe Kipper, you go one more. Sorry to speak for you. But uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights lose a big one last night. And we're, we're going to talk. Yep. A, I'm just flabbergasted that this team can't seem to win enough games. The Pacific Division has been there for them. Yeah. They're handing it away. Do, do you think they're going to miss? Well, it sure looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and there, there's, again, the mentality part of, you know, all the little ups and downs. They've had their injuries. They've had disruption. I always thought, you know, that Eichel deal and the deals that they've made to get themselves in, in cap hell, which they are in, uh, you know, affect different guys different ways. And it, it doesn't always bring the best out of your group. It doesn't always get your group together. And so those games, though, are going to be nightmarish. You know, that's one last night you had to win. The Oiler loss in the afternoon on Saturday was their real chance to say, we're, we're ready to make a stand. I didn't like the little bit of a jab on their goaltender, you know, by the boar after. It, it's the truth. You need your goaltender in a big game like that to be better than the other guy. But if they miss out, this, this is a terrible miscalculation of all the moves that they did, in my opinion. Simmer, enjoy your rest because the real Kipper and Bourne shows calling you very frequently in the Sorry, next buddy. little while. And if uh, if you have time, then do your Hockey Night in Canada thing too. Okay. All right, guys. Take care. See ya. Craig Simpson. He's good, eh? Really good. Just thoughtful, smart guy. Knows his hockey. I I just I don't super envy the next two months for him. Yeah, I mean, it's constant, right? Like yeah. he is. Yeah. I sh- it is. It's, and I was always like a, a studio guy, and I got to go to a Stanley Cup final at the end. But yeah, big difference. Even though it's the grind, and you're lucky though. At the end of the day, you go home. Yeah, that's go good. Home, point. you wake up in your bed, have a breakfast, lunch, and then you start focusing on uh, uh, a pregame show. The best part, though, I would imagine, and uh, I'm guessing, 
is that the research kind of feeds on itself, right? Like you do all your prep for a series, yeah. then there's game one. You don't re preparing for game two no. or three or four. A lot of it's uh, reactionary, yeah. right? Or and, and then following storylines or trends, yeah. and it's not hard on any given night to have a really good feel on uh, yeah. where's your lead story. You know, did somebody you know. did somebody get hurt? Is there a goaltending controversy? Right. Um, I got to tell you, listening to to Simmer talk about Tampa Bay, if I'm a uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I know some people out there are. That that concerned me a bit. You know, him talking about yeah. Tampa Bay, and they're still Tampa Bay. I don't care if they're eighth and tenth and goals for and goals against. It doesn't matter. It doesn't if, matter if uh, they just got. If you're it. new in this industry, or if you've been around uh, as long as uh, what twenty twenty five years for me, you have no idea. At the at, when it's all said and done, yeah. and you could have your analytics, and you can have this and that, and maybe make a few phone calls and get someone that's a lot closer to the situation. Nobody knows. No, nobody has a clue right now which Tampa Bay team. That's why we love it. Will show up. Yeah. That's why sports are so great. Because sometimes, and, Kipper, you're sitting in the dressing room and you're like, I, they don't know. You can go talk to the guy and get the most honest opinion in the world from Austin Matthews. Matthews, no go. I don't know. Like I, we're pretty good. We got so, a chance. And, and here's here's another example of just you 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 just don't know is that, and I'll bring Sammy back in for this one. Is how long now have you really had the feeling that this was going to be Tampa Bay and the Leafs? Two weeks, I, three weeks, a month, a month. Okay, like take a look right now, and I know. I know tonight St. Louis has Boston and Tampa Bay has Detroit tonight. But it's only a three-point difference. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Tampa Bay go, has another bad week. Good point. It's Toronto and Boston. Yeah, still over a 20% chance you're getting Boston. Not great, <sighs> but not impossible. Do you want to hear the odds uh, to win the Stanley Cup for those three teams? The Toronto Maple Leafs are plus 800. That's the fourth. Uh, they're Best. The, yeah, there's three three teams above them, Colorado, Florida, and Calgary. Uh, Tampa Bay plus 1050 and Boston plus 1900. So they have the Bruins as way long shots compared to Tampa Bay and Toronto. How do you feel about Toronto being that high, Sammy? I'm surprised... That Calgary is above ahead of them. It's the of- it's the road though for them. Yeah, and I, the reason I would say that is because I thought they would maybe put the the odds a little higher for the Leafs or a little lower, I guess, for the Leafs to get the sucker bets in there because people love betting on the Leafs and you know they you know how that goes. But I'm happy they're not the favorite. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I. I think the, I think they got that right. I really do think they yeah. have that right. I would I could switch Calgary and Toronto maybe, but I think those are the are the correct the correct odds. Listen, the Leafs are probably a better team playing better than the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think if they lose, it'll be a lot of demons involved. I really do, and I think they got those stats right, fellas. If you sort the league for points percentage right now, the Leafs are the third best team in the NHL yeah. league wide. Only They're Colorado really and good. Florida have been better this season. Uh, they've got the offense right now that says they are score with really close. They're close. Uh, is it 
Is it going to be one defenseman short when it's all said and done or one goalie <laughs> save goalie. away from being really close? Uh, but they've got a, they, they, they got a team that should scare a lot of teams, including yeah. Tampa, if they face them in the first round. It's just the goalies, boys. It's just the goalies. That's and, what hangs and over tonight, every day. Or sorry, on Thursday, it sounds like Vasilevsky is going to be going against the Leafs. Is that what you're saying? Our earlier text yeah. thread? Yeah, yeah. They, they're starting them four, uh, three times this week. Three times? Yep. Okay, so. So I'm just looking for this. Because yeah. Vasilevsky starts tonight, um, starts Thursday, and starts Sunday versus the Panthers. So they're going, no, they're it going was, with Vasilevsky three times this week. Last time the Leafs were there, it was pretty ugly for Vasilevsky. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I got to think that he went up to Coop and said, I want them one more time before we yeah. start the playoffs. That's uh, You know, I'm fascinated. We talked about this earlier on the show by the idea of coaches going or players going up to coaches and telling them what they think should happen. I, I feel like it happened less when you played, but did it happen at all? Yeah. Did you ever go in and, and talk? Say, hey, I think I deserve more? Or? I used to watch Mark Messier have one foot over the boards and ask Keenan, who's up next? <laughs> And Keenan would go, uh, your line, Mess. Yeah, Mess, you go. Like, so, you're right. That's the way it worked. Yeah. He had all that cachet, huh? Yes. Yeah, and they all, all the stars do. Yeah. And Vasilevsky is a star for I, Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. And he would, if he, if there was any part of him that said, uh, I'll, I'll save my powder for the game one against the Leafs, then he avoids that start. I know that, you know, being in that room with Keith and the Miners, that, you know, four guys probably on the team have the right to come in and say, here's what I think we should do. And it would significantly change the way Sheldon would think about it. If you were outside of the guys, remember earlier you said Matthews, Marner, and Tavares, and that's about it. If you were out of that group and you came in and said, you know, why am I not on power play one? Why am I not getting yeah. more minutes or whatever? You were about to, he had packages to show everyone. Yeah. About, no, no. And that's the right thing to do. If, if yeah. it's done respectively, yeah. then then you have to put the time and effort uh, to give them uh, a proper answer. Yeah. It, and a lot of guys didn't like it. Come sit here and I'll right? show you why you don't deserve more. But uh, there's also in my era, it's like, get the out get out get out don't waste my time who are you again right turn around i want to read your name bar so it's it's a little different yeah today 